All right, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly. It is episode number 452, and we're recording live on Monday, the 17th of February. For you Americans out there, happy President's Day. For us Canadians here in Ontario, we're off as well. It's family day here. Uh, so here I am doing a podcast with my extended location family. <laughs> happy family day happy family day um yeah you know what and and just before we jump in uh a shout out to a longtime uh partner friend here on this i had a, a conversation with the uh mysterious rob woodbridge last week um <laughs> uh, hi to rob i'm sure he's saying hi to all everybody here as well um you know one of the originators of this show uh back mm -hmm. in the day so uh yeah, anyhow, um, yeah, all is well. How are you? How, how was your weekend? Um, uh, I'm pretty good. My weekend was all right. It was just, you know, my kids had off Friday and they have off today. So we got to spend a little extra time together, which was nice. Um, but my youngest and myself, we were a little under the weather. So we kind of just, you know, took it easy, stayed at the house, lounged in our pajamas all day yesterday. But sometimes you need those weekends, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, how about you? How was your weekend? Uh, good, good. We had uh, it was my mother-in-law's birthday, so we had uh, a bit of a party uh, yesterday at the house, and uh, all the usual cake and food and everything. Um, so that was good. And um, yeah, I'm just trying to get ready uh, off to Puerto Rico tomorrow for the launch of our new chapter there on Wednesday. So yeah, so that uh, that should be interesting. Just to, yeah, you're heading out, and, and I'll head to Toronto. I know. I'm going to miss you. It's weird. <laughs> I know. Passing each other. Um, yeah, we have a big uh, agency event there on Wednesday, so looking forward to it. How cold is it there? Uh, it's not too bad. It's like, uh, I, I always try to translate, translate this into Fahrenheit, so it's probably... I appreciate that. <laughs> around 40. Okay. Not crazy. Uh, yeah, it's cool. cool. <laughs> All right. 40, 40 to 45 in that range. Yeah. Okay. That's bearable. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah. All right. Well, we got a good show for you. Three industry news stories, three member news stories, uh, quite a mixture of stuff today. Um, quite different than actually last week's show. So uh, I'll let you kick it off as, as normal. So there you go. All right, well, this is more of a partnership announcement and um, everybody, most of you probably know of Vistar Media. Um, so they are obviously a digital out of home programmatic leader and they are now partnering with Foursquare to measure footfall attribution. So, you know, Foursquare um, had acquired Placed from Snapchat not too long ago. Um, and, you know, Snap had only acquired them for a second. Um, but now, you know, Vistar has a direct integration with about 70 plus different uh, media owner networks. And so they have a lot of insight into the digital out of home media serving and exposure to various campaigns. And then Foursquare um, with Placed is obviously helping them measure that footfall attribution um, and provide those analytics. So nothing groundbreaking. Both companies are continuing to do what they're supposed to do. And, um, you know, there's hoping this partnership probably 
gives them the insight into both of the maybe missing pieces that help them better measure and understand um, how that's working, whether it's media exposure or attribution. So yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting one for me. You know, Vistar, we've covered these guys a lot. They've, they've been signing all sorts of media partnerships. Um, you know, they're very well integrated uh, across the ecosystem as far as data, um, you know, from a partnership perspective. But, you know, anytime I see Foursquare kind of get involved with anybody, um, you know, my sort of radar goes up because, you know, these guys for forever, um, you know, we're kind of, you know, known as that consumer facing platform. We're very much trying to find uh, their way in terms of uh, an actual revenue stream. They seem to have hit that in the last couple of years, um, you know, through data, data licensing and, and uh, you know, type of partnerships that, you know, they sit behind platforms like Twitter and so on, uh, powering their, their location uh, piece from a, you know, uh, you know, when you post something and try to share location with that. So, um, you know, I think it's interesting when you see this applied to out of home, we have another out of home story uh, in a second uh, here as well. But, uh, you know, I think even, even the other week when we were talking about Singapore, you know, I think there's, there's a challenge right now in the industry where out of home is growing really fast. Um, and just like in mobile, uh, where attribution has been so important. I think as this industry grows, as the at-home industry grows and, and more and more uh, brands sort of embrace it, they're looking for that same sort of quality uh, of measurement and attribution. And I think it's not been there. Um, and I think so, you know, having platforms like Foursquare, in this case, uh, you know, the placed uh, part of, of Foursquare, um, you know, make a lot of sense, right? And just in terms of just understanding where to place ads and more importantly, how to measure the effectiveness of that. So I, you know, I don't have a lot more to say about it, but I think it's interesting to see that, you know, Foursquare is finding opportunities, you know, sort of across the entire realm of marketing attribution. So there you go. All right. So sticking with out of home, uh, we'll move from the, uh, North American uh, world over here, all the way over to the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And uh, in the out-of-home world there, there's a company called Al Arabia Outdoor, and they've partnered with a company called uh, Seventh Decimal. No, not Ninth Decimal, Seventh Decimal. <laughs> um, and they have a product called Streach. Uh, it's spelled S-T-R-E-A-C-H. Uh, and this is also a out-of-home measurement uh, technology. So it's a patented, um, uh, product uh, that they have here. It's built on uh, an SDK uh, platform uh, uh, gathering GPS signal data uh, from mobile location um, uh, opportunities. Uh, and basically they've kind of figured out a way to kind of use this data to measure um, you know, audiences and, the, and matching that against demographic and, and uh, economic data. Uh, around different districts and so on. So they're blending the mobile data um, with, you know, other sort of, uh, you know, neighborhood data and census data and that type of thing. Um, and then uh, they also have the ability to do retargeting uh, through the device IDs uh, on a programmatic trading desk through this same platform. So it's not just measurement and attribution. It's actually a, a targeting platform, all, all sort of rolled into one. Um, kind of interesting. Uh, you don't often see that in, in a single uh, sort of environment, but uh, 
I, you know, I, I, I always, I'm always interested to see that these kinds of things aren't just happening in North America or Europe, um, but they're happening all over the world, right? And, um, you know, we don't often, you know, cover stories in, in Saudi Arabia, but, you know, it's, it's a, a, a big uh, brand market, big luxury retail market, you know, a lot of ad dollars uh, spent there. Um, and, you know, just like in North America or in Europe, you need to find great ways to, to measure and great ways to do uh, targeted advertising. So, you know, I think this is, um, this is kind of cool. Um, the, uh, the transparency around this data too is, is, you know, as you and I have talked about with, you know, your solutions and, and other solutions in the industry, when we look at location data overall, there has been a lot of, uh, you know, lack of transparency, a lot of bad fake data, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think having, you know, this sort of, new wave of solutions that really focuses on, you know, proper disclosure of, of, uh, of privacy and use of data and transparency around that is paramount right now. And I think that, um, you know, we're seeing that in every platform that's, you know, sort of out in the news these days. So, um, yeah, I like it. It's cool. What do you think? Um, I have a response for you, but hang on, I'll make myself look a lot better. I just realized I didn't turn on my, uh, light <laughs> oh there you go yeah i'm like sitting here like oh my gosh i look like really i can't see and then i'm like i didn't turn my light on i need my coffee to kick in this morning all right <laughs> so now that you can see my eyes um yeah so i actually i like the name screech um kind of reminds me of say by the bell screech but um back in the day um but you know like reaching the streets i guess is sort of their idea or thought process there um, and I, and I like how they're integrating everything into one. Obviously I'm curious to know if they're like incorporating other SDK data besides their own into it. Otherwise it seems like it would be a pretty, um, shallow pool to, to kind of, um, pull from. But I think that it's interesting. I like the idea of, I like the idea of offerings that do multiple things. If you can do multiple things well, um, otherwise, I like the idea of partnering with other companies who do what they do very well. So I think that um, obviously measurement is something that's super important, whether it's to the advertiser themselves or um, to the data provider, you know, being able to sort of provide that um, intelligence around what is actually happening and what is working and not working. And there's a lot of nuances to that, you know, like you, whenever, I think it's so interesting, like the measurement piece of things, because we think about like, is it the creative? Is it the actual offer? You know, what is it that's influencing the measurement of things? And it's hard to know what it is that's working and not working, but um, there's only so much that you can have insight into. And so like capturing that opportunity, which it seems like they're doing, Streech is doing very well, then um, I think that's where you have to start and focus on. So I think it makes sense. Yeah, and I think for me, you know, the one thing that I think is a little bit different here uh, than some of the others we've talked about is is how they're sort of marrying the mobile location data with, you know, that population distribution, you know, mobility pattern, census, you know, socioeconomic data, uh, and kind of trying to match those things together. So I, I think that is is really cool, and and you know, be be interesting to see more companies kind of take that approach, not just rely only on the on the mobile data, right? So yeah. Yeah. All right. 
All right, so we are going to move over to New York City, a Walmart story here. And usually we're talking about Walmart trying something new, expanding, but this time we are talking um, a lot about this big company shutting down a service that they've been trying for a little while in New York City. Um, so they're calling it quits for their jet black concierge, which if you were not familiar with that, it was an order by text type of a sort of premium offering. So you could pay, um, you know, $600, I think a year, and you could order anything by text except fresh food. Um, and so you could just order by text message. And I mean, $600 a year is pretty steep when you think about the fact that you've got, you know, Amazon Prime for around a hundred bucks a year. So the last day of the service will be on the 21st of this month, and they have laid off most of their 350 employees. Um, some of their design and tech team are going to, you know, hang out and probably be reallocated throughout Walmart, but um, they never were able to really expand beyond New York City, and they said that they definitely lost money, um, you know, but they learned a lot of things about, you know, sort of the inferences of ordering by text and what people want and what they see. Um, and the average customer was spending about $1,500 a month. So to me, I'm like, well, how are the, you know, if they're, if this was the average size order and they're, you know, maximizing on their $600 per year for, you know, the customer just to have access to the service, that seems pretty crazy to me, but, you know, they were attempting to also build this like AI based upon, um, you know, their human agents and the interactions they were having with the text message platform and you know texting back and forth with clients um and it was originally launched as part of uh, walmart this is called their, their innovation wing which is called um store number eight so i don't know i mean i think this is interesting that you know they weren't able to make it work it seems like to me i think that this would have to be part of an over an overall offering right like you have an Amazon Prime and then you have something that's kind of on top of it, right? Or you have something that's like a underlying base, whatever their jet, you know, Amazon Prime equivalent is, can they, you know, the jet.com, can they like, you know, sort of change that, update that to where there is something with texting that's available for people for an added cost? Um, but it's also, you know, I, I get that it's hard to scale because you have to have human interaction on every single order at, at this point, um, where they didn't have the AI, they didn't have, you know, the automated processes that ordering online with, um, or through an app does have currently. So for ordering and fulfillment and all of those things, you have to have that human touch point, which is very expensive. And, um, it also is not something that's, you know, immediate. So I understand that, um, but, you know, it seems like there's a lot to be learned here from this, this trial. And I'm sure that there's so much more that they know that they're not sharing about what they have learned. And knowing Walmart, they will apply it somewhere else within some new service that they're going to offer. Um, so we'll just have to kind of stay tuned and see what's coming next in terms of new customer iterations, because they're doing something, it seems like every other week, you know, whether it's like order online, pick up outside, you know, order online, you know, deliver all the different things that they're doing um you know they're they're constantly innovating so we'll see what what these learnings add to what's next yeah i mean it's um you know the whole store number eight thing i think is a is a great initiative from the company in in terms of constantly testing and trying you know new platforms uh you know whether that be uh direct customer outreach you know 
through things like chat like this uh, or in-store innovations, you know, uh, leveraging, you know, sensors or uh, seamless checkouts or whatever the case might be. So these guys are always kind of, you know, sort of pushing the, um, you know, the boundaries a little bit. You might remember at our, not this past Retail Loco, but two Retail Locos ago in Atlanta, we had uh, Jessa Parrott, uh, you know, come and talk. Uh, about uh, how Walmart was using chatbots, um, and that was super interesting, I think, too, in in terms of just, you know, they're they're they're. I love that they're just constantly trying different things, um, you know, and that's what all big companies should do. Kroger's really good at that as well, um, and we've seen that over and over again. But but I think you know, at the end of the day, you know, fifteen hundred bucks a month. That's the thing that sticks out with me in this story. Is like who's who? You know, who are these customers that are spending fifteen hundred bucks a month at Walmart? Um, and not even on food, like not even food. If you were saying food too, you're like, okay, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Right, exactly. If you're including your all your groceries in there, that makes sense. But it's like not a flat screen every month. I mean, what are you buying? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, unless you're like, you know, you got eight kids and you're clothing them and <laughs> diapers, and I don't, I don't know what, I don't know, like maybe, but yeah, yeah. Um, but other than that, you know, like it, it's, uh, I, I think it was a noble attempt. And I think that this whole idea of things like um, subscription services, and, you know, all these uh, curated boxes and all of that that we've seen, I think it is slowing down a little bit. That sort mm -hmm. of uh, notion of, you know, here's everything put together for you and, you know, you just pay your monthly fee. I think that there is, it, there seems to be a shift back to, I want to go see it, pick it, touch it. Uh, a little bit now, right? Um, it still needs to be convenient. It still needs to be, um, it, you know, sort of somewhat personalized. But I think that, um, you know, it, it was a noble attempt and it didn't work. So, but good for them for yeah. trying. I want to hear more from Jessa, honestly. Jessa, where have you been? Like, you need to come back. You need to come back and talk again. You are super smart and I loved hearing her speak. So I want, I mean, her focus obviously is like the customer experience and how does yeah. she make that better? So I want her to come and talk about what did they learn and how are they applying that? So um, I'm going to like reach out to you. Yeah, Hopefully well, she can come speak anytime she wants at her next retail. I know, she's so great. So come yeah, back. Yes, you're Jessa, if you're listening. <laughs> um, all right, so that's our three industry news stories for this week. Now we'll shift over and talk a little bit about what our members have been up to. Um, and so here's a brand we don't talk about too often, uh, and that is Panera Bread. Uh, are you a are you a Panera fan, uh, Brianna? You know, I like Panera a lot, and we have one really close to our office, so occasionally we'll do like breakfasts from there. Um, I am a fan. I mean, I just try to avoid it because, like, every time you walk in and all those baked goods are like right there calling <laughs> your name, you know, it's like chocolate croissant. But yeah, Panera's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, yeah, we've got, uh, the, you know, they're, they've, we didn't have Panera for the longest time here up here in Canada. And then all of a sudden they're popping up all over the place now. And, uh, there's one not too new far, too far from, from my house here too. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's a, it's got a nice vibe to it. It's got a nice, you know, you see people kind of going in there, kind of you know, working, you know, hanging out kind of like a, a Starbucks, but with better food. Um, 
it, it, you know, that's kind of how I think about it. But anyways, uh, so they've been uh, busy at work uh, and especially uh, in embracing uh, augmented reality technology. And so um, last year they launched a campaign called UMix2 at South by Southwest and they're kind of following up on that with uh, another technology. So they're working uh, in partnership with a company called M7 Innovations. Um, and they designed an AR campaign that involved animated breakfast wraps. And you, you might sit there and go like, who's going to do this? But apparently people are uh, doing this. So they've um, basically, you know, kind of created a, an AR version of their breakfast wrap. They ran a campaign on Facebook and Snapchat together. They spent $50,000 on this campaign. Um, so not a, you know, not a, just a throw in the bucket type of money. Um, and here's the thing, they reached 9.3 million users on the campaign and received 47,000 shares across these social platforms with 171,000 users clicking through or swiping on the, on the Snapchat, or, or Snapchat or Facebook ad. So great numbers, great engagement. Um, and the one thing that, you know, I, I, that really stood out to me in this story is, you know, uh, Scott Nelson, who's their VP of marketing, was being interviewed, uh, commenting on this. And he said, you know, like, it's really about, you know, them being bullish on AR as a brand and really sticking with it and really pushing for it and kind of exposing their uh, their audience, their client base, their fans uh, to what they're doing on AR. And so it's not the kind of thing, like any new technology, that you just sort of do once and it doesn't work. Oh, you know, I'm out. I'm not doing it again. You sort of have to really build that, you know, in as part of your brand, as part of your marketing strategy and have your customers and your fans really start to kind of engage with it. And, and so, it, it, like, it's this incremental sort of build that's now got them to, you know, this 9.3 million uh, you know, engagement numbers around it. And I'm sure they'll, they'll keep going from here, but you know, so I, I think it's really cool, um, that, uh, they're sticking with it and kind of continuing to sort of, you know, take step-by-step -step approaches to kind of building on what, what can be done with augmented reality. So yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. You know what I think is really interesting is like the power of words as well as maybe layering that obviously here with the power of like imagination, um, and so, you know, something that's interesting that kind of stuck with me is, um, you know, my husband and he's like very interested in like how the mind works and what, you know, influence, uh, influences us to make the decisions that we make. And I think that probably every marketer and advertiser is to, you know, to some extent, but, um, it was a few months ago we were at church and, and during the talk that day, like they had talked about pop tarts. I never buy Pop-Tarts. I am not like, I mean, I've liked Pop-Tarts as a kid, but I never buy them. And that week, you know what I did? I went out and bought Pop-Tarts because it was like in my mind. And you know, they were talking about like the strawberry with the frosting and everything. And I was like, I couldn't get it out of my mind. So I had to buy a box of Pop-Tarts. And so I'm like, that is the influence of marketing. And that wasn't even like, you know, an influencer um, in, you know, that Pop-Tarts had paid. So imagine, I can only imagine like that, you know, with these 9.3 million people who have had this like breakfast wrap, you know, and in their mind, they've had it, but they haven't actually tasted it, that there has to be some return on this investment, you know, of $50,000 that over time, you know, at least 50,000 people are going to need to get a breakfast wrap because they have imagined it. They have, you know, talked about it. They have seen it and now they're going to need to taste it. So 
I think that it's a smart, um, you know, it's a smart thing to, to keep trying. I think especially with food, right? With anything that like you have in your mind, you know, that you can just imagine what it's going to be. They're going to have to go and fulfill that need. So I think that it's really smart. And I do think the investment will pay off um, for something like this. And I like seeing AR done in a way that I think is going to be beneficial versus just being like a billboard that comes to life, right? So. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so like, are your kids now a new generation of Pop-Tart pop -tart lovers or what? Oh no, that was one and done. <laughs> and they were not actually the biggest fans. Like I think I ate probably you know, four of them. Wow. See, I, I was never into Pop-Tarts. It was, uh, for me, it was like wagon wheels. If you remember, if, I don't know if you guys had. What them. is it? They were called wagon wheels up here. So they were these like chocolate covered, like, uh, like a wheel. And then inside was like uh, marshmallow and like some kind of cookie biscuity kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never uh, got into those. I did do the oatmeal cream pies though. Like all of that. Yeah. Stuff my mom used to put in my lunch, you know. There you go. Play for the tie, throw in an apple. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, I mean, I try, I try to, like, yeah. be healthy with my kids' choices, but, you know, every once in a while, you got to splurge. <laughs> yeah. Well, great job um, uh, on uh, on using AR, so uh, congrats on that, guys. And uh, Yeah, for sure. Really cool. Yeah. All right. So staying on the food topic, though, now we're moving from, you know, Panera and breakfast wraps and Pop-Tarts to ice cream. And uh, Unilever is testing out ice cream delivery with drones. So this is pretty interesting. Um, I mean, maybe they want to wait till it's just a little warmer, but maybe actually now is a better time to test it out so they know how long they have before the ice cream melts because <laughs> it's just going to get shorter. So they're partnering with Terra Drone Europe, um, and so they're exploring this drone delivery of ice cream. So this is in partnership with Ben & Jerry's um, ice cream particular. And so the service or the campaign is called Ice Cream Now. So it comes like in this box, it's delivered and it says open me and it has three different mini cups that are inside of it. Um, you know, I'm not sure if this is going to grow into a trend. But I think there's like a lot of bigger problems in general that drones are solving in terms of delivery. However, if you think about it, um, you know, delivering little, you know, insignificant things like ice cream or whatever it may be, uh, you know, makeup, cosmetics, anything like that. If you think about the big impact that something like this could have could be maybe a decrease on um, things like uh, carbon dioxide emissions, you think of like traffic patterns, you know, all of those things. So if drones are delivering those and people don't have to leave their house and take their car out, then maybe there is longer term impact here um, than just, you know, fulfilling a craving. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of details on like when this is going to run or where, uh, but I know they were testing it in New York. Um, I don't think New York City, but New York State um so we'll see what happens i don't know you'll have to like stay tuned and, and hear how this is going but lots of drone testing going on huh yeah you you know where where i think this kind of thing makes a lot of sense and and so you know first of all again like you know great that they're testing these kinds of things i think you know, th there could be a market for this in the future i love the environmental aspects that you touched on here so so good for unilever you know for kind of you know, taking that step forward with, with Ben and Jerry's here. But for me, as I'm listening to you talk and I'm thinking about this story, for me, one of the applications that's coming into my mind is think about like, um, 
big theme parks like you know Disney and, and places like that and you got all these people like on a hot summer's day standing in line waiting to get on a ride and you know like all of that and they're like you know sweating and frustrated and their kids are going crazy and whatever think about like where you own the airspace it's your it's a giant you know hectares and hectares of land of theme park and you can fly drones around yeah, across your own property so all sorts of yummy fun treats <laughs> to people in yeah. line right like that's a perfect application for me um that was a good thought man yeah yeah disney so, get on that disney should be on this yeah Dr drone <laughs> delivery to keep people busy like while they're waiting in line for yeah. all fun treats so yeah that's anyway. awesome what about like, or what about like, you know, in Vegas or something, poolside yeah. service? Mm -hmm. That could so work too. Yeah, I think especially like on like large properties like that where you have yeah. complete control of it, right? Um, I think that could be quite interesting. So, okay. all right, our final story now. Moving over to our friends at Yelp. Uh, so Yelp, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, one of the biggest platforms in, in sort of the restaurant industry out there today has launched a new service called Yelp Store Visits. Um, and so obviously this is targeted at multi-location restaurant chains uh, and, and in particular attribution. Uh, so they're working to try and help these restaurant chains understand cost per visit. Uh, and um, so they've launched this new program. Uh, a number of brands have been testing with them, including Domino's and Starbucks and IHOP and, and others. Um, and they, uh, you know, really, really it's about, um, you know, how you use sort of the platforms. I know, you know, our, our good friend Devin and his whole team over there, um, you know, have been uh, working hard on the, uh, the Yelp uh, analytics business, uh, with, you know, using Wi-Fi data and things like that to understand people, how many people are, are, are in the restaurants and sort of measuring, you know, when people connect and creating, you know, different ways to, to do attribution that way. And I think, you know, this is really an extension of that in a lot of ways of, you know, looking at how ads delivered result in actual traffic to store and be able to sort of measure that attribution, you know, not a new concept for our industry, but not necessarily something that you see uh, a lot. You know, we talk a lot about restaurants using, uh, we talk about it more in the context of sort of big box retail and things like that. But um, you know, obviously when you're Yelp and you're the, the, probably the biggest player in, in the restaurant industry today, um, you know, you're in a, you're in a unique position to be able to help, uh, understand and help these guys measure uh, store visits. So for one particular company that was in the pilot, they said that they achieved a cost per visit of $1.17, uh, per Yelp ad. Um, so that's not bad. Um, yeah. And said so the, the same company, uh, said that 91% of those visits happened within 24 hours of engaging on the Yelp ad. So pretty good numbers, pretty good, um, you know, sort of response to that. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think we're gonna see a lot more of these types of platforms, whether it's Yelp or TripAdvisor, or, you know, companies like that, uh, you know, start to get into, you know, I, I, what was the company we talked about the other week um, with, uh, had a new metric for measuring attribution as well. Um, but like, there, there's a movement right now, I think to, you know, just, increase the availability of, of tools at, at the discretion of, uh, of ad buyers and, and, and advertisers overall in terms of just having better ways to, to measure. Oh, was it, um, was it moving walls? 
it might have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, the the Singapore uh, out of home. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so uh, when I was hearing you talk, I just was remembering the first time that um, I hung out with Devin when we were at a retail loco, and I remember telling him, "Does anybody ever say you look like you know who you look like or remind them of?" And he's like please don't say Jesus. <laughs> I was like, no, dude, Bryce Harper is where I was going. <laughs> it cracks me up. But um, yeah, I think like Yelp is perfectly positioned to, you know, offer a store visits product. It's, you know, a, a lot, I mean, especially around restaurant, like that makes the most sense. Um, and you know, what's weird, like I've been using Yelp for when I travel, sometimes I like to find like unique places to kind of shop or, you know, if I'm in an area, like something that's a boutique that might be unique to that place. And so I've been looking there and I mean, there's not a ton on Yelp in terms of like clothing stores, but it's growing. And so it's kind of nice to see them branch out beyond just restaurant reviews and, um, and bar reviews and things like that. But, you know, I think that we are going to continue to see people that will take advantage of this and, and do the footfall attribution. But from a restaurant perspective, I mean, who better than Yelp, right? That's where everybody's looking to go anyways. For sure. For sure. So, and, and I, like I said, I, I think we're going to see more and more focus from companies like that on yeah. deriving revenue that comes from these types of services, right? It's not just, okay, let's take a percentage of the, you know, the, the order or the whatever, uh, a la the old Groupon models, but uh, let's find ways to actually participate in the, uh, in the attribution and the ad side of things um, and, and actually derive revenue as well from that. So it's, it, it's an augmented in addition to piece, not just a, a replacement. So I like it. So that's our show. That's, that's what we got for you this week. Uh, three industry news stories, uh, three member news stories. A wide array of stuff there, um, from out of home to AR to restaurants and uh, and everything in between. Uh, Food, Jesus Christ, Harper, all of it. Yeah, Harper. There you go. Um, yeah, and uh, did you watch the NBA All Star Game last night? Nope. No. I went to bed last night. I was in bed about like eight thirty. Yeah. So I saw bits and pieces of it, but uh, it seemed like from everything I've read, it was like a, the new format was, uh, was quite uh, engaging and successful. So yeah, yeah, we'll see. Our, our boy Nick Nurse was there coaching. So that's good. From the world champion Toronto Raptors, you know, that team. You know. Yeah. So no anyhow. Um, all right. That's our show for this week. Um, uh, as always, we thank you for listening and watching. Uh, if you have story ideas, please reach out to us. If you have feedback, uh, we would love to hear it. Uh, please give us some reviews, some stars, some ratings on whichever platform you're consuming this. And of course, we'll be back next week with uh, episode 453. Have a great week, everybody. Bye.